pretty much everything. All right, so we're still we're in the book of Proverbs. We, you know, we started last week. Um, yeah, let me explain my get smart up here. So for those that don't know who this is, <laughs> back I think it's in the 60s. This goes way back. There was a TV show called Get Smart, and um, and our guy there, he's a he's an agent for the government. He's kind of, of a bumbling idiot, but the government gives him everything he needs to be successful to do his mission. You know, all these cool gadgets. I mean, he's, he's like 007, like Marcy said. But he, uh, just like us, you know, just the way God has given us everything we need in life to be successful. We're still bumbling idiots sometimes. I, I know I am. And uh, we do things. We put our, our feet in our mouth. We do all kinds of things. You know what we do because you do it too. So that's why I think he's a good uh, poster child for the, the book of Proverbs. Because really the book of Proverbs is, is wanting, God wants us to get smart. You know, he wants us to take his instructions in the book of Proverbs, apply them to our life, and then live life wisely. So last week we started the book. Um, I'm just going to do a quick review. Just that's just what I like to do. Just nothing else, just for myself. But Proverbs is one of the five wisdom books in our Bible. Books that um, they really aren't to Jews or Gentiles. They're they're not like Jewish history books. They're they're like to people on planet Earth. These these five books are. You can apply them to any person, any race, old, young. Whatever they're the humans living on life, life on planet Earth, and it's wisdom for for living on Earth, and you know that's why I got the five of them. I list what they all are, and Proverbs is is the book to live life skillfully. You know, last week I mentioned uh, God wants us to be an expert at godly living, and that's the kind of the goal of Proverbs. So we talked about the whole wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and data pyramid of greatness. On, on how God gets wisdom in our head or the path to get wisdom. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go over all that again. We covered it pretty good. How we, we you know we read our Bible, we, we we learn about God, and then by changing our behavior is how we get wisdom. Uh, how the book divides up. That was in our handout last week. It's a pretty simple book. Chapters one through seven are. I'll start my son or my children. They're, they're books to us about why we need the Proverbs. And then the actual Proverbs, the meat of the book is chapters 10 through 30. And that's where all these Proverbs are. Does anyone remember how many Proverbs are in the book of Proverbs, roughly? There's 915 verses in the book. There's around 800. Emma got it. I don't have a candy bar. I forgot them. Man of all times, I forgot my candy bars. So, so there's around 800 proverbs in the book of Proverbs. Uh, and, and remember, back in First Kings, God tells us that Solomon knew like 3,000 proverbs. So we we have the choice cream of the of the crop of the proverbs God wants us to have. So that's that's cool. All right. We talked about the composition of the Proverbs. How Proverbs are two-sentence couplets, is what we call them. They're two sentences. you got one sentence that says something. The second sentence either adds to the first, as in this little verse here, 
in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and there's the punctuation that we talked about last week and the second sentence and his children shall have a place of refuge that adds to the thought of the first sentence so that's one way that the Proverbs are written this is Hebrew poetry is what, what this is Another type of, of composition is, is where it compares things. You know, confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble, second sentence, is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint, something you don't want. So it's not wise to put confidence in a man, an unfaithful man. So that's, a, that's another way they're written. And then the contrast... And then I, you know, this is all in the handout from last week. If you guys want to copy it, got all that. But another type of, of the way they're written, the composition, is the contrast, the but. And there's a lot of but chapters in Proverbs. I don't know, 13, 14. There's a lot of chapters where every proverb has a but in it. Uh, and, there, and, and that's where it contrasts two different thoughts. Every way of, the, of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. The Lord really knows what's going on. We all think we're right. God knows what the truth. So that's a contrast proverb. Any questions on that? That's kind of how they're, they're, they're couplets, two sentences. The second sentence either agrees with, compliments, contrasts. They're pretty simple. And then we talked about, and, and this has always been the key for me, is how we get wisdom from the proverbs. From these 800 proverbs in the book... You know, like, like I said last week, God didn't just flat out tell us, don't have confidence in an unfaithful man when you really need him. He didn't really say that. That's, that'd be a simple way of saying it. Instead, God gives us that confidence in a man in time of trouble, an unfaithful man in time of trouble, is like a broken foot or a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. So he gives us this imagery of a broken tooth and a foot out of joint as something you don't want. It's painful. You can't put weight on it. The same way you don't put faith or don't trust an unfaithful man. Does that that make sense? So it's cool how he did that. And and the the way he did that is with these two sentences with the punctuation. When we read the first sentence, we have this colon where we pause... Okay, God said this, and now he's saying this. And the reasoning in our human mind of comparing those two sentences is where the wisdom will sink into our heart. And that's how we think, ah, that's what God's trying to tell me. So, it's, it's very cool how he did it. Yeah. Uh, man, and then we mentioned all the imagery. Uh, you know, he talks about ants, trees, all the things of nature. And this is the same thing that Jesus also did uh, with the parables. You know, Jesus is always saying, you know, look at the birds. You know, see what they're doing. Do what they do. Look at the ants. Look at what they're doing. Do what they do. You know, look at the rivers. Look at this. Look at that. Things that we can identify with in our daily life. So, I love that about the Proverbs. You know, like the broken tooth and the foot out of joint. We all know what that is. It's not fun. It's not something you want to do. So, it's easy. It's, we remember it better, I think. And God knows that. Uh, there's some more imagery verses we covered. Uh, I always like the, you know, the, the biting, uh, or taking a dog by the ears. You know, this, this proverb about being a busybody and inserting yourself in other people's problems, which is, is a problem we all have sometimes. When you insert yourself into someone else's problems, it's like taking a dog by the ears. 
you're going to get bit. So I just think that's really cool, this imagery. All, all these imageries and all the proverbs uh, are just very cool. And then all the vinegar. It's funny how much he uses vinegar in the proverbs, but he does. I haven't done a word count yet. So that kind of takes us up to today. We're going to kind of start fresh here. Any questions so far on anything? Proverbs? No, but I was going to... No question, but... Mm-hmm. <coughs> I'm going to grab a drink Steve here. Carter uses this Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. I have it, actually. So, uh, I did a couple of the Proverbs this last week. Oh, cool. And it was pretty cool because, the like, column one says... You know, what does this passage say about man? Mm-hmm. And then the second one, what does this passage say about God? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, are there any promises? Oh, it, yes. You know, and then the last two columns is kind of, for me, is just goal setting and things I need to do immediately uh, in regards to what the passage told me. So oh. it was real cool. That is cool. The and. And, and the so, butts and so, yeah. You know, that really... Yeah. I want to I add a column just for me that shows the composition. Mm. Uh, just, well, just because I... Yeah, you're like me. I love doing yeah. so. I can, I can analyze and research yeah. something into the ground. That's a really good way to study it is. specific passages. Well, that's cool, yeah. yeah. I remember getting that. He was here a few years ago and he passed those out. It was, yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, Proverbs are awesome. And you mentioned promises. That's... Well, I'll get there in a little bit. So, um, all right. So, uh, let me switch gears here. Uh, okay, we're going to talk about some some cool stuff. I hope it's cool to me. Uh, but I do want to reiterate that I'm not teaching like teaching like this is what I have attained and now this is what we should all do. You know, I'm basically sharing my notes with things that I've seen that God has showed me out of Proverbs. Uh, and he's probably showing you the same things. And I have in no way mastered any of these. And I'm still a student. Uh, I'm still struggling with the issues of life. Because what I did on your first page of your handout, you know, back when I was reading through the Proverbs all the time, I started, I, I started making a table. I, I started noticing how God would bring up subjects. You know, like the first one on our, our handout is a troubled heart. The word heart's in Proverbs like 80-something times. And, you know, he talks about the merciful heart, the kind heart, the wicked heart, the prudent heart, the, the, the crooked, the wise, all kinds of hearts. And a lot of the hearts are in trouble. You know, they have heaviness, uh, they're sad, they're depressed, they have worry, fear, all the things that we experience. So I, I made on. I started this little column as I'd read through Proverbs and say, okay, what chapters did he really talk a lot about troubled heart? And so I just jotted down uh, 3, 4, 12. So when I'd find a lot of verses in a chapter that deal with a certain topic, that's, that's how they made this little chart. So there's a lot of chapters and verses about a troubled heart, um, fear, worry, anxiety, depression. There's a lot of chapters in Proverbs about our our little our little tongues, our little disobedient tongues, um, and it's actually as we as we all know, it's a it's a big topic in the Bible. You know, our tongues. Uh, there's that good chapter in James chapter three that that's all it talks about, and so so it's addressed in Proverbs. Our our tongues, the the consequences of. Anger, pride, you know, as you go down the list, selfishness, an unguarded heart, having bad influences in our life, 
vengeful, being vengeful, being patient, uh, you know, authority, disobedience, unhappy home life. All the issues of life are here. All of us in here have experienced all of these things, except motherhood. I haven't experienced that. I'm a father, so I can indirectly take it. But um, so we all know what these things are, and, and that's what I love about the Book of Proverbs is it dress, addresses all of these issues of life head on, which of course is our life issues theme verse, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, so that's what I was going to talk about today. Are, are, are some of my, I don't know if I'd say favorite. Because remember last week when I said when we're reading the book of Proverbs, if we happen to read a proverb that really hits home a little too close, I would skip that verse and look okay, next. Um, but I think it's good to just really pause and look at problems that like I deal with. Because I think they're probably the same problems you deal with. And there's three primarily for me, and it's it's worry, it's pride, and it's my speech, my tongue. Those are three issues that I wrestle with all the time, every day. Um, you know, it's easy. These issues here are easy to deal with when we're here at church. Yeah, yeah, we're here at church. We got preaching. Our friends are here. You know, Holy Spirit. We're yeah. But man, tomorrow morning at work, we're in traffic. It's a different story, you know. All bets are off. So, so yeah. So, what I was going to talk about is is some of these issues that I struggle with. Um, that brings us to the next page, and and this is kind of a scary. This is a scary one. So we're going to have to take our time through this because what I wanted to do, I wanted to capture why we struggle. Um, how the book of Proverbs can help us, um, how, how we can over, see ourselves as God sees us, maybe, and, and, and try to overcome the struggles that we have dealing with the issues of life. So what I did here, uh, I don't want to lose anyone, so I'm going to try to... Let me see if I can back up a shade. Um, well, the verses don't show up, but well, let's just start at the top. Let's just look at these verses first. The very first at the top, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That's our life issues verse. We all know and love that verse. But when you really think about it, keep thy heart, we all know that the heart, it's an organ that pumps blood. So it's not our physical heart. It's talking about our spiritual heart. And, and I wanted to show where that, where, where that fits in on the chart below. So the next verse, this is another favorite of mine, is he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down without walls. When you're not in charge of your own emotion, you're subject to attack by anything that comes your way. And so how you keep those walls built and strong are, are depicted in this, and we'll, we'll get to the picture in a second. So that's a key verse. And then the, uh, the verse in James, the last one there, that he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. None of us wants to work against God. We don't want God to resist us at all. We want his hand on our life. And that's something else that is depicted in this, these drawings, this drawing here. All right, so here's how it lays out. What I've got is 
you know, we're, we are a body, soul, spirit. Everything God does, He does by threes. I mean, everything in the world breaks down into threes. And our ourselves are no exception. We have body, soul, and spirit. But I think sometimes we don't understand those three things and how they interact and how we control them or they control us. Okay? Um, is that working okay? Trying to make it bigger. Yeah, I just thought here. everybody might want to see the chart. Oh, yeah, the metal chart. You can't read it unless it makes it bigger. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Yeah, it's, uh, and if anyone, you know, as with all my material, if anyone wants copies, electronic copies of anything I do, I freely distribute, no problem. So if you guys want more copies of this, that's cool. All right, so man is a three, three parts to us, body, soul, spirit. And, and each, let's start with our body. Your body, your, your flesh, your carcass, interfaces with the world through our five senses. You know, we, we see things, we hear things, we taste things, we touch things. You know, we all understand this is elementary school stuff here. That's our five senses. Well, inside of our body is our soul. That's our heart. That's our will. That's our emotions. That's the real you. That's the soul. And then we have uh, your pride here. My pride. I'll get to him in a second. But then we have our spirit. Our spirit is like our inner person deep down inside. And this is where... The Bible says, God tells us that you were born with a dead spirit. This light bulb that's in his heart here was, was darkened. We did, not know any, we did not know God. We are darkened in our spirits. But when we trust Christ and God comes into our life, he, he plugs us in and our light comes on and now he can fellowship in our spirit. That's why it's, we're quickening spirit. Our spirit now is alive communing with God. This is where God, Holy Spirit, and our spirit commune. It's in our spirit. Is this making sense? Very simple. Now our soul, our soul here, our emotions, our will, it communicates with the outside world through these senses, through our bodies, through our imaginations, our memories, our conscience, our reasonings and affections. That's how we get into our heart. Now the problem is, or the way it's set up, our soul can't directly... If our soul wants to read the Bible, but, but Jim wants to watch Netflix, my soul can't leave my body and go read the Bible. My soul has to move my body and make it sense those and do those things so that so if the soul wants to feed itself it requires my body to do it does that make sense unfortunately all of these senses all of them have gates on them so to speak kind of like the gates that that talk about it in this verse and our will our pride can open and close those gates have you know appropriately, and that's where our old nature. This is the door here. So our our soul can open these doors 
and, and requests our body. You know, you, let's go read our Bible today. Okay, yeah, let's do it. And we sit down and read our Bible. But we've always got our old nature, always got his hand on the door too, saying, I don't know, Jim, don't open that door to reading your word. Let's go watch Netflix or do something else. So the soul is dependent on the body for nourishment. All right, it's making sense there. And in the same way, the spirit is, is relies on our soul to help feed it. And we've got this little guy, pride. And that's what keeps people from getting saved. That's what kept me from, from walking the aisle and getting saved and praying was my pride. So by hearing the word and, and hearing pr- good preaching and getting the good news of the gospel, this pride guy can be overcome and he can open the door to your spirit and let God in. That's how this all works together. And at any time, our pride can, can get in the way and shut off our spirit. And now this guy's starving. So whenever he gets starving, he's not getting fed with the word and the preaching and and, and the soul feeding itself and nursing itself. Pride shuts it down. Now our spirit's going to die. It gets thirsty. He's going to get hungry and thirsty. And when he gets hungry and thirsty and he's not getting fed here, he's going to open this door. Fear, worry, and doubt. And that's where a lot of times where depression comes from is when we, are, we start starving our inner man. And these doors start closing to things of God, but they're opening to things of the world, especially with our imagination and such. Our old nature will open the old doors of things we've seen in the past. So that's kind of how our bodies are are working on the inside. So, So knowing this, when we go through the proverb principles, I'm hoping it'll make a little sense, a little more sense. And, and that's where I put on the bottom. It's, it's so important. You, you guys remember that song in the 80s? Uh, Steve Green, you know, be careful little... He, he did a version of it. Be careful little children, what you see, what you hear. What, it's so important that we guard this heart because uh, what we let into here will either starve or feed our, our spirit. So, anyway. Thank you guys. I'll get it. You've probably heard all this before, but... I like to visualize this when I read the Proverbs because there's so many times, like, like I said, there's over 80 times when heart is talked about, and it's not talking about my, my physical organ, it's talking about this heart. So, and we'll, we'll talk about the mouth here in a second. Alright, so next page. Yeah. So you said our spirit is kind of dependent on our soul to feed it? It is. It is. Explain that a little bit more. Our, yeah, because our spirit, our spirit wants to commune with God. It wants to have faith, hope, prayer, and, and reverence. It wants to fear God. Our spirit, again, it can't just go out and read the Bible. It can't just go feed itself necessarily. It needs the soul. Our soul, our will, our emotions want to feed our spirit. I, like that's why we are here today. You know, a lot of people don't don't come today for whatever reason. We are here feeding our soul with the the the, the seeing and the hearing of the word and the fellowship of believers. We're feeding this. They are not people that aren't. I mean, I'm not talking. I'm not casting down people that aren't here in our class. I'm just saying in general, the world. They're not in church. They're not feeding their soul, so they're not feeding the things of God that's in their spirit. This pride is keeping his door shut. 
they're feeding on fear, worry, and doubt. Is what they're feeding on. So that, that's a way of looking. I mean, obviously this ain't us, you know, but it, it's a, a, a good picture, I think. Uh, Clarence Larkin got me thinking about this because he's got a chapter on the gates in Dispensational Truth, best book ever written outside of the Bible. Uh, but he talks about how man, each of our body, soul, spirit has gates, the way it interfaces with the world. And we can open or close those gates. Our will does. So yeah, our spirit will, will it's alive. When you let the God into your heart and you, you ask him to come in, you break down the pride wall, he comes in. There's the circumcision without hands and these guys are cut apart and there's a lot of things we're not going to go into, but your spirit it gets quickened. It comes alive. And it, he never leaves you. Luckily, we have eternal security. God never leaves you. But you can starve starve it out where you don't... You, you, you know, it's, you guys have heard all the analogies with the hungry dogs and all that. Yeah. That's a great diagram, Jim. I just wanted to say that Friday night we talked about this exact thing. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, mainly mainly yeah. The, the pride wall blocking, you know, from the spit and the woman at the well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sure it does. Tell or anything, but, uh, yeah, that is really cool. You yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the way I see it set up. and. Uh, anyway, I was working on this yesterday while we were moving. We moved our payroll system yesterday at work, payroll and finance. And so I'll be doing this. Um, okay, so that's, that's how we work. So now let's look at how the Proverbs can help us out. So on the next page, worry and anxiety. I mean, we all have worry and anxiety. Um, can someone read Proverbs 12.25? Actually, let's load up a few of these. Someone grab Proverbs 12.25. Is anyone going to volunteer for that one? I'll get it. All right, and then uh, Proverbs 15, 13, and 15. Okay. And then Proverbs 17.22. Okay. All right, cool. All right, so let's, let me get over there. These are some of the verses that talk about worry. Uh, 12.25. Alright. Who's got 1225? I got it. Heaviness is in the heart of man, marketh it stoop. But a good word marketh it flat. Yes. Yes, okay, that's that's exactly right. Heaviness is another word for depression. Heaviness in your heart will make your physical body stoop. It will change how you look. And I think we've all I mean I've had times when I've come here to church and on the inside I'm in just just like even today I'm just like raging turmoil I got so many things on my mind sometimes I'm down sometimes you guys are down we're all down sometimes when we get here and how refreshing when a brother or sister in Christ recognizes that it's like wow how did you know I'm depressed right now or I'm heavy in my heart and they'll give you a good word and obviously there's no better word than the, than the gospel God loves you you know so that's the good word. So heaviness in your heart will make you physically stoop. All right, next one, uh, Proverbs fifteen thirteen. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Yes, another great one. Saying the same thing, but now it goes a little deeper. And this is kind of where wounded spirits come in. They have some of these verses. Mm-hmm. 
When you're happy and you're feeding this guy, you're happy. It even shows physically when someone has the joy of the Lord on their face because this heart is merry. But by a, but by a sorrow of your heart, when your heart is sad, now you've got a broken spirit. You've starved this guy. So, I love that verse. And that's kind of the wounded spirit thing. When you're when you're sad long enough, it just really affects all the areas of your life. So, all right, seventeen twenty-two. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drives the bones. Yes, another good one. Uh, merry heart key, keeping the soul happy is good. You'll starve your spirit. So. Um, Psalms 127. Actually, I don't know if I wrote it. I think I did. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is my next slide. I put the little guy on here. This this is all of us. I think all of us identify with this guy. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. You know, there's responsibilities of life. There's, there's shame that we may have brought on ourselves. Uh, grief is a, is a heavy, heavy burden sometimes. Um... Fear. We're all afraid of things. You know, we just come out of the pandemic, insecurity. I mean, we've been living this for a while, um, and this is the heaviness that can make us stoop. Now, here, here's where I think it's. Uh, I want to try and encourage you because there's a difference between concern and worry. And I put the little table here. Concern is something God wants us to have. It, it's it's kind of a. a God wants you to be concerned with the welfare of your body, of your family, of your church. I mean, we are to be concerned. We should be able to look at situations and using wisdom, like I put on your handout, assess a situation, and and concern should motivate you to do something. If you're concerned with someone not having enough food in their house, for example, and you're concerned about it, you would it would motivate you to make sure they have something to eat. Now, worry, on the other hand, is something that we're not to be doing. And, and it's, it's something because worry is one of those things we do, like pride. It's a sin. God commands against worry, but we still do it. And it's kind of accepted that we do it. But when you really look at worry as sin, um, then that's, that puts a different light on it. So worry is fearing the outcome before it even happens. You know, we've, we've all worried. We know exactly what this is. Uh, concern should motivate you toward positive action, but worry cripples us. I mean, how many times... I mean, when, when you're really worried about something, you know, we, we can't eat, um, we can't sleep, we get headaches... Uh, we have all these physical ailments that happen to us when we're worrying. Let me go back to my other guy here. Yeah, so when we're worrying, when your heart's heavy, it, it really affects our bodies. And we, we you know, can't eat, we can't sleep, and so now our bodies get wore down, and it just starts a cycle that keeps on going. Um, with concern... We can have we have peace in God's provision. And it reminds me of like when Jesus would sleep on the ships in the storm. I mean, he he could have been concerned, but he wasn't worrying. You know, it was that kind of thing. Uh, so when we are concerned, you know, that's that's okay. Now, worry is is doubting God. Um, obviously, uh, you don't think He can come through for you. Uh, concern is when you're focused on other people. You know, 
how can I help you? You need food, how can I help you? That's a concern. But when we're worried, and man, I've been so worried. I, I am a born worrier. That's why I'm a belt suspenders guy. I worry about everything. I worry about how much toner's in my paper, in my printer. I worry about if I have 28-pound paper. I, you name it, I can worry about it. Um, so whenever we're worried, the focus is on ourselves, and we're not able to help others. You know, it's it's a it's a a weird dynamic that happens when we get so spun up uh, we can't help other people. So worry is so bad in so many ways. Uh, concern honors God because you're giving Him the glory before it happens. Whereas worry, you're really doubting God. And like I put on the last line there, the God allows concern. He wants you to be concerned for things. Be concerned for the lost. Be concerned for your family. Be, be concerned. But don't worry. So it is a sin. I mean, it's I don't think of it that way, but it really is. Um, one of my favorite passages is the Elijah principle in 1 Kings 19 when he gets all worried. Uh, that's the passage where Jezebel is going to kill him for killing the prophets of Baal. And he's hiding out in the cave by himself. He gets all depressed. And there's a like a four-step plan to get out of depression, which is kind of the same plan we're going to look at here in a second. But it's a really good story. I don't have time to get into it. But that's in 1 Kings 19. Um, so the next passage um, is in Proverbs 3. I need to scoot along here. I, th- I didn't think I'd have enough material. But I do. All right. All right. So in Proverbs 3, you know, he's, uh, God's t- Solomon, God, is telling us the different reasons why we need the Proverbs in our life. So, so let, let me just start at verse 3, or verse 1 here. Um, I'm going to go through here. The worry... Alright, All right. so verse uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Um, let me go back here a shade. Alright, I'm going to go back to that. Alright. Alright, forget my forget not my law. Let thine heart keep my commandments. So right there in the first verse, we are told to do two things. These are two things that each one of us control. This is like the little door. Forget not the law. You gotta know it to, to not forget it. And let that's opening the door. Your heart keep my commandments. It's a a decision we make to obey God. Every day we make a decision whether or not we're going to obey Him. And then he puts uh, verse 3, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them around thy neck. Write them upon the table of thy heart. Uh, Let me flip up. Alright. So, you guys know who this is. Surely you know who he is. No? Okay, yeah. Well, that's probably good. This is a guy named Flavor Flav, and I, every time I every time I read this verse, verse three, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. So he's saying, don't don't let mercy and truth leave you. You know, they they leave him. You need to have mercy and truth in your in your life. And in verse three, bind them about thy neck. So this is a guy named Flavor Flav. He was a rapper back in the 80s. 
kind of a goof, but harmless. Um, he, his shtick in life was wearing big clocks as necklaces. And I thought, you know, how cool if we had a necklace that said mercy and truth. Uh, right displayed. You know, I, I practice mercy and truth, you know, on your necklace. Uh, Sarah Farr Lewis was here a few weeks ago, and we were talking about how we just all need to be kind to each other. And that's what it makes me think of when I read this, is we should just be kind. And, you know, like, uh, anyway, leave that. Anyway, so I like him. All right, so let's look at uh, verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So by knowing the knowing the word, obeying the word, and doing the word, I mean right there you got a three point outline on how to get favor with God and man. So that's that's a pretty neat little passage. Now verse five is what I was kind of looking at here. The, this is a very familiar verse to all of us. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So we're to trust him with all our heart. Not most of our heart. You know, it's all of our heart. Uh, and that's something we do. He, he doesn't do any of it. Lean not into thine own understanding. That's something else we do. We lean. We know his word. We, we, we lean on it for understanding. In all our ways acknowledge him. You know, giving him credit for everything we, that he does for us. And he shall direct thy paths. Now, he'll take care of us when we do those things. Last week I had made this statement, and it's, it's correct. In the Proverbs, there's 800 and some odd of them. They're not promises. You know, like train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. That's not a promise. It's a what usually happens. You know, this is on earth, this is what happens when you do this or behave this way. They're not promises. However, if the proverb or statement refers to God's responsibility or character, it is a flat-out promise. As you see, there's a difference there. When it's talking about you on planet Earth and you behave this way and they're going to behave this way, that's not a promise. But when it's dealing with God, that's a promise. So when it says there in verse 5, when, you, when we trust in the Lord with all our heart and we lean on Him with all of our understanding, we acknowledge Him in every way, He will, He shall direct thy paths. So that's, that's, a, that's a thing with worry. We can't really worry. That's where I have my phone up here. Just imagine you have a phone. God's the only contact on it. And anytime something comes on, on your way, you just hit the call button and talk to Him directly. If we had that, we probably wouldn't worry and fear as much. But we do, as you know, have this. We, we can always just go to him in prayer about anything. We can always enter the throne room. So, Anyway, so uh, that's, that's one passage I think is neat about worry. Now the next one is in, it um, starts in verse 13. I don't know if I have time to read all of it. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to hop around. So chapter 3, verse 13. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. So we need to find those two things. And then he goes on to talk about how important wisdom and understanding are. Um, pick it up in verse 21. Now he says, My son, let not them, which is wisdom and understanding, let not wisdom and understanding depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion 
so shall thy life, so shall be thy life unto unto thy soul, and grace unto thy neck. Um, all right, so you know, let's get that. All right, so verse twenty-three. And these are six. This is on your handout. These are the six things that a warrior will discover when they trust the Lord and they obey. And that's what we're getting ready to look at here. These six things. First, verse 23. Then, when, when you take hold of wisdom and understanding, then thou shalt walk in thy way safely. You're going to live life fearless. And thy foot shall not stumble. You're not going to get caught on speed bumps of life, you know, to quote Robert Tillett, the speed bump. All of us go over speed bumps. Just like the, this is what I like to think of it too, the, the Bible is a light unto our path. So when we're walking in wisdom and understanding and we're walking along a path and we got our Bible shining a light, you know, there's a rock, I better go around. You know, there's a dude I shouldn't be involved in, so I'm going to go around him. I'm not going to get tripped up on him. That's what that second point on your handout is. You don't fall on the speed bumps. Uh, next one is uh, verse 24. When you lie down, thou shalt not be afraid. When I'm worrying, I can't hardly lie down. And when I do, I'm afraid. Afraid to get up. Afraid what went wrong while I've been asleep. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. When we are worried, we do not have sweet sleep at all. We toss and turn all night, but when we're walking with with God, we do we sleep we sleep well. And verse twenty five, I, I, this is probably one of my favorites here. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Sudden fear, it's not something you see coming. It's when you're at the doctor and. You know, one time they've seen a spot on my nose. That might be cancer. That's that sudden fear, you know, the C word. Or when you're in a, almost in a car wreck. When things happen to us suddenly in life, sudden, we don't need to be afraid. You know, we've got, we've got his number. We, he's right by us all the time. And I, I like the way he put that. Don't be afraid of sudden fear. Um, for the Lord shall be thy confidence and keep thy foot from being taken. You're not going to be caught in a trap. That's my little Elvis guy there. You know, Elvis was caught in a trap. Uh, I don't remember the rest of the song, but if he would have been living his life godly with wisdom and understanding, Elvis wouldn't have got caught in a trap. He'd probably still be alive today. He'd be 90. But anyway, so that's when I think about worry. I think about some of these principles here that... Um, you know, God is with us everywhere we go. And... and, and if I had God's phone in my pocket, I would probably look at life different. But I, I mean, we do. So I just think that's interesting. So, Alrighty. Uh, the next one, quickly here. Get the flavor flavor off of here. Um, okay, that was it with a handout. Alright, so the next one is dealing with a disobedient tongue. Oh my. When we go to the doctor, what's the first thing that they do to us when we, we're sitting in the little exam room? Stick your tongue out. I, I don't know exactly why. I was going to put pictures of nasty tongues up here, but I didn't. Uh, our tongue, our physical tongue, is an indicator of our physical health. Okay? So is our spiritual speech. Because that's why I put this here. This is like a chain. 
driving your mouth. This is what the Bible has so much to say about our tongues. And then I list several of them here. Um, first, let's look at the seven things God hates. It's in chapter 6. I think this is a cool list. You guys have probably seen this. but uh, Proverbs 6. Can somebody read 16 through 19? i got to get a drink. Six, uh, six, 16 through 19, chapter 6. I mean, these are things God hates. There's seven things, actually, but I'll, I'll explain that. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Yes, that's great. Those are... That's good. Thanks, Andy. So now, verse 16, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination. That little phrase like that's used three or four times in Proverbs. He'll say, like, these three things are bad, yea, four is even worse. It's It's basically an old Hebrew poetry way of saying these six things are bad and seven pushes it over the top. You know, is a way of looking at that. So, these these are seven things that God hates. So, obviously, we don't want to be involved in any of them. And our tongue, our disobedient tongue, is three of them, three of the seven. I think that's interesting. You know, we uh, having a lying tongue, uh, being a false witness, lying about something, and sowing discord among the brethren. That's the Absalom principle. David's kid, but it's, I don't have time for that. But so our tongue is three of the seven. So that's that's pretty bad. So let's let's look at some of this tongue stuff here. So uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Uh, let me flip over there. Yeah, so let's all go to Proverbs eighteen twenty one. And that says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue." And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. All right, that and that. This is a actually. Let's let's go to Luke four six forty five now before I talk about that verse. Let's just flip over to Luke. All right, we could spend hours talking about the tongue, and you guys have probably heard a lot of good good message on it. But Luke six forty five. Yep. Yeah, I love uh, this. is a good little passage. I don't, I don't think we'll read any more. But... All right, so Luke six forty five. This is uh, this is Jesus speaking here, and he says, "A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh." And then verse 46 is really, it's a different paragraph, but it's really kind of the same thought. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I say? So he's just telling us how this good heart will have good speech, and an evil heart will have evil speech. So whatever, that's why your tongue is an indicator of your spiritual health. What comes out of your mouth tells the world what's in your heart. Uh, direct connection here. I just think that's interesting. So now I'll go back to Proverbs 18. 
um, that verse we read first, uh, where was it at? 1821. Yeah, 1821 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, we can, we can heal or hurt. There's, there's a lot of verses about, you know, the wounds of a faithful friend and a lot of that. But the tongue is just a, such a strong weapon. Uh, but I like the second sentence, They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Well, what does that mean? Well, what that means is, when you have a you know a god-centered life and you're and you're 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 uh, serving the lord you're obedient he's working in your life and you're you're a godly person you have a godly heart you will have good things come out of your mouth you're going to be sharing the gospel you're going to be telling people about your confidence in god all the good things that will come out of your mouth as a result of being a, a godly christian that those good words are going to produce fruit. It could be fruit in salvations. It could be fruit in like a your loved ones, reciprocal love. I mean, there's a lot of fruit that will come, good fruit that will come from good speech. And that's what that verse is talking about: is that a person that has a good heart, you will live off the fruit that your mouth produces. I think that's a neat, neat way of saying, you know, you get what you sow, you sow what you get, or, or it's reap. Like your it's like the fruit of the spirit that comes out of your spirit, into your heart, and then it goes out of your mouth. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and yes, you're right, Pat. Like, if you're a, a plugged in, listening to the Word, reading the Word, teaching the Word, doing the Word, walking the Word, your heart's going to be merry, you're going to be joyous, you're gonna, it's going to spew out of your mouth, it's going to produce fruit in others. You know your spirit's good, and likewise, if you're evil and you're you're opening your gates to all kinds of filth of the world, it's going to spew out of your mouth, and that's where the, whole, the brawling woman, the angry man, all these other characters that are in Proverbs. That's where they come into play. That's what they're doing. So, um, and I put some uh, different ways of the tongue or in that table there on your handout, the, the life and death. Uh, I don't have time to read all these verses, but it, it's interesting to go through and read the characteristics of people with a disobedient tongue, how they, they flatter, they gossip, they, they're argumentative, they always bragging about themselves. Verbosity. Many times uh, people that talk all the time, for one, it's a sign of pride, and we'll get to that, but um, there's, 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 they're called a fool, basically. But anyway, so complaining, cursing, being critical. Just, we do all these things with our tongue, and then I wanted to point out too that it's not just our speech; it's our written communication, like on Facebook, social media. You know, we we turn into keyboard warriors sometimes behind the screen, and we'll may, we may say things that are hurtful to others so this this the principles of, of, of having a godly mouth apply to your fingers too on the keyboard so that's 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 the tongue the last one I'll be quickly here is uh, pride this is my personal favorite unfortunately uh, we all have pride you know Kevin's friend last week Jason I think was his name he mentioned that you know we all have this problem I mean pride is the first sin recorded in the Bible the devil was a proud guy and that he elevated himself uh, pretty much every sin 
starts with pride. This guy opens the door to a whole Pandora's box of issues that we bring into our life. Um, and I put the, the little symbol there, the pride and the, and the key. The, the pride is like a padlock. When you think of a padlock, you think of being locked out of something. Pride, having pride in your life will lock you out of opportunities, of, of fellowship with people, of, of all kinds of things in life. It will lock you out of the blessings of God. Um, it limits your growth and influence, I put. That's in Proverbs 3, or 29, 23. Let me just have a look at that. I don't remember that one offhand. Uh, 29, 23 says, Yeah, man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So, you know, God hates the proud. That was the very first thing on the list. So when you're prideful, it's like putting a padlock on your life that you are being locked out of a lot of things, including God's blessings and hand on your life. So that's pretty serious. Whereas on the other hand, humility is a key. It'll allow you to thrive in life. It'll, being humble will allow you to unlock locked doors because you're humble. You know, even your enemies will be at peace with you when you're a good man or a good woman. Uh, unlocks wisdom and God's blessings. There are a lot of verses on that. Uh, there is godly pride. You know, I'm very proud of my God, and I'm so proud of what He's done in my life. You know, I've been serving Him since I was 18, and I've had just nothing but blessings in my life, my whole life, and I'm so proud of Him for doing that. I can't be proud of myself because I was an idiot most of the time, and He still helped me out regardless. Um, so, that, so having pride in God is good. Pride in yourself is bad. You know, we're proud of our all kinds of things. You know, academic or achievements or intelligence. Uh, I've even known some people that are proud that they disobey God. You know, I don't need that Bible. I've done fine without it. You know, so there's that. That's even worse. Yeah, they they're proud in the fact they don't they don't want anything to do with God. So what I did on the bottom. These are some other things I found in Proverbs. I was going to do a Jeff Foxworthy kind of thing. So you think you, if you think you're primal or something, but anyway, I didn't do it. I didn't go that route. But these are 13 things, just quickies, <coughs> to judge if you are prideful. And uh, so the first one, I, I don't like constructive criticism. They're easily offended. I mean, so many people are easily offended nowadays, and really it comes down to a pride problem. They think too highly of themselves. Uh, they don't like to admit when they're wrong. We all know that guy or girl. They like to talk about themselves all the time. Man, that's tiring. Whenever people want to talk about themselves all the time, I, you know, we all know we all know that guy. Uh, some people are too high and mighty to do low things. Yeah, and these are all the proverbs that I found that kind of go along with these characteristics. Uh, don't show me how to do it. I already know. I don't need to, you know, all these things. Poor folks are poor for a reason. They deserve it. You know, there's people that kind of look at poor folks that way, and and that's being prideful. You know, they're they're no better or worse than you. Uh, it's only by God's grace in my life I'm not on a street corner with a sign. You know, and so they've they've been dealt a bad card. So I sh- we should have compassion. Um, don't judge me. Only God judges me. That's a have an authority problem. You know, we know a lot of those. And then I'm a talker at the bottom. There's a lot of verses about people that just gab, 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 and how that's really a pride problem. So, 
And then I, I should have added a 14th one that if you, if you were honest, if you were honest, if I was honest, and I checked all the ones that I have issues with, I would be too proud to show anybody that list. <laughs> yeah, because we all have had these things in our life at some time, and it's pride, and we need to recognize it for what it is, and just go to the Lord with it and pray about it, and so, um, and we'll be forgiven. But anyway, that's kind of it for for this week. Those are the three issues in life I deal with, and how they tie together through there. Um, any questions on anything? I mean pretty simple. I think it's nothing we haven't heard before. I mean, I've, like I say, I've been guilty of all these at one time or other. Seems like. Um, but, alright. Okay. Yeah. So Steve's going to close us out. So, uh, like you said, next week we're not in here, but I think we'll just do one more week on Proverbs and um, I'm thinking about doing chapters 8 and 9 because they're like explosive chapters on wisdom. So, all right, sounds good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. I forgot about that. All right, thanks, thanks, Jim. That was uh, all. All that's so good. I think that uh, that chart on worry. I mean, all these are fresh. These are something, not something you found in the book. These are things you dug out yourself. I'd never seen that con- concern versus worry. So that that was so good. And uh, so, yeah, there'll be one more week on that. But next week, we will not be in here. But the first week of, of August, we will. And then uh, I think Pat's going to teach the second week. And then, Lord willing, uh, the 21st of August, we'll be in uh, the book of Job. We're going we're gonna to look at the book of Job. And so we'll do a series on that. I wanted to uh, read to you uh, our sister, uh, Sarah Woolsey.